welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Bob Sakura. Hello. Hello. We are here. Um, so this week, our topic is um, poem with a perfect image. And perfect is a vague word. So I think we both had some fun trying to find an angle for this one. Um, my initial thought was a poem with an almost like anti-image where it's a it's a poem that hints at things and like creates a feeling inside of you. And I was going to read Zach Schomburg's What Would Kill Me. But then I realized I'd already read this on the podcast, so I had to shift gears. Um, but uh, but I, 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 I'm excited about mine. I'm very excited about mine, actually. Um, <laughs> Bob, you are the one who proposed this topic. Um, how did you approach finding the uh, angle for your poem? Well, I definitely didn't think about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, maybe to start with, when this came up in our in our document of of topic ideas, um, you know, for me, it starts from that place of I find writing really good images to be difficult, right? Because you've talked before about not really being able to picture images that well in your head sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, and it, and it's funny to think of that in the the context of poetry. Of um, my classic story, when I talk about that, is I I was working in high school and I was talking to the principal and he was telling me about the movie that happened in his head when he was reading Lord of the Rings. And I was just sitting there and I was like, that doesn't happen to me. Oh, <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Can follow the logic of that for a, a, a novel, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. of yeah. the images for a poem to me, that seems like such a wild idea of how the images might come in and out of your head. Um, if you could do that visualizing. Sure. Um, sure. So, I think it's something that, especially when I'm editing, I, I look for is where are the places could I be, you know, more focused on vision as a sense and bringing something to life. Um, I know one of my one of my hacks, one of my poetry hacks, sure. uh, is to lean on color. Yeah, um, colors, colors, good. Yeah, um, and I guess just that idea of that search for the perfect image really excites me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, again, knowing it's hard, knowing that perfection is a bullshit idea. Um, but but still searching for it. It's a bullshit it's, idea, but still searching for it, that kind of thing. I mean, I think, that, I think as, as we've tried and failed to define poetry so many times, like, that, you know, uh, impossible quest feels inherent to the genre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're always trying to capture something with language that is incapturable. Um, yeah. and the image feels very much part of that. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, you brought up, um, uh, like vision and image as a sense. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, I have a terrible sense of smell. And, and as anyone who's listened to even 10 seconds of this podcast knows I have bad sinus problems, <laughs> but, um, um, I, especially in the fall and the winter love making soups mm. and then like leaving the house and then coming back and having like you know, like a pot roast or a chicken noodle soup, just like simmering on yeah. the, uh, on the stove and then having that whole smell feel, uh, fill the house. And, um, it's like, yeah, I'm not great at writing what smells are, but mm-hmm. you know, 
I'm always searching for that like sort of extreme sense of, oh yeah, this is a good smell kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I'm because I'm not good at it. So yeah, right. And that's a yeah, that's a fun thing about poetry. Yeah, you're reminding me too. I don't know how you got. I guess I was thinking of of you talking about writing smell and how. I agree. Also a very hard thing to do. Yeah, just sensory language, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, basic top tier thing we should be right, good at. Right, right, right. One-on-one um, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was thinking about, like, making smell interesting. And, and I jumped to, a, I, I wish I had thought of this as, like, a more clear connection. But I've been uh, doing some work with some poets here lately. Mm-hmm. Getting together and reading each other poems, which I just, like, haven't done in ages. It's been really, really wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and one of the conversations I think I want to get better at having is, in particular, we were working with this poem that was, you know, very much resisting narrative. You know, something that I, we've mentioned on here, like that for me is a goal because I am such a narrative writer so often. Um, sure. I think for many of the poems that I do really love, like narrative is very low on the agenda. But still with that, in this lack of narrative space, it felt kind of difficult for me to find my footing in the poem. And one of the ways that I thought of that is helpful there is how those concrete things that might help me latch onto something like can still be metaphor. Yeah. 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 And that, and that sometimes the perfect image is like within metaphor. And so we have these layers of things that I find difficult. And so when I did, I thought of two poems, one was just one that I had read recently and I was like, oh, that part is so good. Then I look back on it and I was like, oh, well, that image is part of a metaphor, part of yeah. why it's perfect. And then the one I did, I did land on, it's just one that I've, I've loved for a really long time. Uh, and as we're about to see, you know, the image and metaphor blending into each other, it's all happening. It's wonderful. Yeah, you, you actually, that is exactly how I thought of the poem that you chose mm. when when you sent it over to me uh although you articulated your thoughts better than i i did <laughs> um, but um yeah let's uh yeah that that is that is a a very cool thing that poetry is good at doing and your poem this week is especially good at doing so why don't we get into it let's read let's let's get into it and also like make a note to myself when i when i listen back on this of like i need to try to do this more often <laughs> you know like i know i should write with these clear images, I know these images should be part of metaphors, but, you know, I don't, right. don't hammer it out all the time. Here we go. We've read a James Tate. I think uh, when we had Adrian on, he read a James Tate poem before. Yeah, um, that's right. Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty, pretty high up on my uh, my poem rankings poem. Uh, Friend of the show, a- Adrian Sobel, by the way. Correct, correct. Yeah. Uh, so this is a James Tate poem. It's the first in his collection, Distance from Loved Ones. Which like could not be any more of a Bobcore title uh, to your book. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Fuck me up, James Tate. And it's called it's called Quabbin Reservoir. All morning, skipping stones on the creamy lake. I thought I heard a lute being played, high up in the birch trees, or a fawn speaking French with a Brooklyn accent. A snowy owl watched me with half-closed eyes. What have you done for me, fillately? I wanted to ask, licking the air. There was a village at the bottom of the lake, and I could just make out the old post office. And occasionally, when the light struck it just right, 
I glimpsed several mailmen swimming in or out of it, letters and packages escaping randomly. 1938, 1937, it doesn't matter to them any longer. Void, no such address. Soft blazes squirmed across the surface, and I could see their church, now home to druid squatters, rock in the intoxicating current, as if to an ancient hymn. And a thousand elbowing reeds conducted the drowsy band pavilion. Awake, awake, you germs of habit. Alas, I fling my final stone, my calling card, my gift of porphyry to the citizens of the deep, and disappear into a copse, raving like a butterfly to a rosebud. I love you. Yeah, man, that's a poem. That rules. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Uh, James Tate, man, is just like, this is not the hottest or freshest take on him, but he just like has this crazy way of like putting together a bunch of images that are like, super disparate and then mm-hmm. like somehow makes sense like the opening with the like the lute and the speaking french and the fawn and right. then just like hard pivot to the brooklyn accent that man yeah. it just it just rules like he's <laughs> he's just got such a magical brain um, Abs- absolutely absolutely i probably have told this story before no we talk i don't know i just thought it's i hadn't thought of it in so long but um his first collection i think it's called the lost pilot it won the Yale Younger Poets Prize. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where it's just like, and you know, he was like early 20s when this book dropped. Um, and it's one of those things where you're just like, how at such a young age did you just like have this already? Yeah. You know, it was yeah. so wildly good. The other James Tate story, uh, which is also just like a reflection of a different time, uh, is if I understand the story correctly, he literally just like drove to the Iowa White, Iowa writers workshop and like asked if he could be in the program. And they let him <laughs> in. Like, like, <laughs> like it, it might've helped that he was a very good poet. Right. Um, that he had something to show for it, but uh, there was no application process. There was no dread. There was, you know, <laughs> I would like to point out that that is the plot of the movie Orange County, starring Colin <laughs> Hanks and Jack Black. <laughs> that is a Bob and Chris classic. <laughs> Believe I tried to make a reference to this movie, and you just looked at me and you're like, do you know who I am? Of course I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to Stanford. Kiss, kiss my ass. <laughs> Uh, do you want to get lit and jump off the roof? <laughs> oh, he's a writer now. Dr. Seuss, cat in the head. Wow, that is a way for this podcast to devolve really quickly. Oh boy, we 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 will we will get into it. Um, yeah, so let's let's just go to why this poem because because I'll quote Orange County for the next longer than the runtime of Orange County. Fair. Fair. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into how this fits into the topic, but I mean, for me, why this poem, this is probably my favorite James Tate poem. This is probably the one for me where he, like, hits what he does in the way that, to me, 
one, I mean, it stirs something up into me. Sure. Um, but, you know, like thinking of his tendencies, like you said, he he is <sighs> whimsical seems like not the right word, but it's something about whimsy. It's something about surrealism. Um, it's it's funny. It's a lot funny. Yeah. Um, you know, if we I guess taking a look at that opening a little bit all morning, skipping stones in the creamy lake, we're pastoral. You know, we're not yeah. too far mm-hmm. in anything weird. Yeah. I thought I heard a lute being played high yeah, up, which is a guitar, not a not yeah. a ukulele, a lute. <laughs> it's fantastic that it's a lute, and it's it's like yeah. situating me in one context with all yeah. that. In the birch trees, or a fawn, we're still there speaking French. First turn, line break with a Brooklyn accent. Second turn, really funny concept. Yeah. Um, you know, all of a sudden, like that, we're in a totally different world than we were expecting. Um, and after that, he does, he gets so close to losing me, which he does, like regularly when I'm, when I'm deep in James Tate, I have moments where I'm like, ah, you, you lost me. So yeah, the next, yeah. The, the next little bit, a snowy owl watched me with half-closed eyes. What have you done for me for lately? Which, you know, it's just tosses arbitrary seemingly arbitrary at least maybe he's got a great rationale but you know you throw in the pun i had to look it up uh for lately uh it just means a collection the collection and study of postage stamps which is pretty <laughs> funny <laughs> but you know it's that kind of joke in a poem can so easily take me all the way out of it yeah yeah but he gets he gets me back in he keeps yeah. he, he draws me back in enough. I could just like read the whole poem and just be like, I like this part and I like this part and I like this yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, but, you it's know, stacking images. It's it's, it's oh, absolutely stacking, stacking. stacking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it it draws us in in the middle with this this village scene that like, oh, I I think it's it's hard to. To dissect, but I, I know for me, I really get caught on this the mailman swimming in and out of the old post office. We have these years going backwards. The mail's void, the mail's no such address. I don't know, there's this liminality and limbo that's kind of being brought to light there. Um, yeah. with like, I don't know, pay, mail that has nowhere to go, <laughs> it's being moved, it's maybe out of time, even. Right. That um, I really love. I guess maybe that is part of the classic. When I think of James Tate, there's a sense of kind of like displacement um, for me as a reader. Yeah, like constantly thinking I'm one place and then being, whoa. whoa. Uh-huh. Right. A weird, okay, so a weird connection I'm, I, I, I made while reading this poem is that uh, so I've recently started playing Animal Crossing, like very recently. And like... You can just build your whole world. Like, it's just, like, I've never, I haven't really, I don't have much experience with, like, open world video games. I don't have much experience with video games besides, like, NBA 2K. Right. Um, and Animal Crossing is just this game where, like, you can just build whatever kind of world you want to. And that kind of, like, freedom and, like, putting things together with, like, no real consequence or, like, end goal mm-hmm. is, like, really weird and fun and exciting and this poem like gave me a similar sense and it might just be me conflating to like recent obsessions but um 
Yeah, it, 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 James Tate poems always have this, like, just weird feeling of, I don't know what this world is, but, like, he built it, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I will have you know that I, I was, I could have sworn you've tweeted about this, and I was like, let me check the receipts. Has Chris tweeted about Animal, uh, animal Crossing? I did not find any. I could have sworn you've tweeted about this. I was like, "Can you get the date?" I have. You have. Maybe you I have, typed something wrong. You you didn't you didn't do your due diligence on your searching. <laughs> I could take longer. Uh, yeah, no, we we got to move on. We got to move on. <laughs> we got to move on to what's the move? What's the move? Well, so this gets to uh, as I still do some diligence here on Twitter. Uh, this gets to kind of, <laughs> you know for me the the point of it all. Um, or of the image, of the topic. Um, and, and also, I think, how it brings me back so well. Um, yeah. For me, like, the perfect image here, it's it's this last line. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I guess I'll read the kind of leading up to it. The I was last, wondering if the last line was going to be the uh, the Bob Core line of the Of course. Of the, the, the most Bob Core line. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, I guess the last sentence here. Alas, I fling my final stone, my calling card, my gift for Porphyry, and again, his his diction's too good. I had to look this up. Porphyry yeah. is a hard, igneous rock containing crystals. Um, so having a gift for that, I don't... Oh, wait, <laughs> it's also philosophy. He's a philosopher. There we go. There I go. knew I'd look that up before, too. Um, so he is a philosopher during the Roman... Roman rule. He's not Roman, though. Okay. Um, yeah, that, so that's like a really interesting. I I bet Google's kind of just letting me down not having this as a verb here, but that's okay. We'll do it in this real time. Yeah. <laughs> to the citizens of the deep and disappear into a copse. Another Bob needs to stop and look up the definition. Right. Um, a Which copse I, is small. I read this poem five or six times reading copse as corpse. I definitely every read the time. Same. Yeah. Definitely have done the same. Uh, so Copes is a small group of trees, which makes a lot more sense contextually. It totally fits more into the poem. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we just get the image, like the fucking image, raving like a butterfly to a rosebud. Just holy shit. Yeah. Um, rave is the perfect word. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like... The, this verb capturing both the movement of a butterfly, the relationship between a butterfly and a rosebud, and then, like, for me, this poem is, like, or at least especially the ending, I do think it's across the whole poem. For me, this poem is, like, to me, what resonates in this poem is this idea of, like, realizing that you're in love. It's kind of like the thing that's sure. happening there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we have that moment of, yeah, if he flings his last stone, um, there's some sort of change happening. And then for me, all of that stuff before that was kind of this liminal space to me brings me to that conclusion at the end of, of you know, I, I don't know, he's walking away from something or he's just going out on a hike or whatever and just having that like moment of like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, I'm really and, feeling it right now. Yeah, 100. percent And it also it like 
it just like mirrors the opening image where we, you know, we start with pastoral yep. and then we go into like the weird liminal stuff. And then right. we end with a butterfly raving to a rosebud. I love you. And it's like, what's the more, what, 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 what's a better setting than being around a bunch of flowers and seeing a butterfly flip by, you know, <laughs> that is, Absolutely. that is just idyllic, man. That is, yeah, that is, mm-hmm. that is beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like, again, yeah. So to take that image and, and have it be like comparing it to what I'm feeling in this moment, like, yeah. Yes. Slays me. Yeah. Um, my version of this poem is not as good as this poem. <laughs> what right. I'm right. I've written this poem. It's not this good. <laughs> That's frequently the case with uh, <laughs> writing, writing, writing James, Ta- James Tate's imitations. For sure. Um, so what? Um, what's going on beyond the page? Uh, wow, that one feels really hard for once. Normally, yeah, it, it kind of does. Actually, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, like what's what's happening? Normally, that question, um, yeah. Is, is I don't know, so are you much... falling in love? Or are you? Are you? you like... I mean, there's a lot of good vibes here lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think we're both on a much... mental health upswing lately. <laughs> um, for sure, yeah. for <laughs> sure. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know me. I'm very pro love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very, I do know this about you. <laughs> very pro love. Uh, and, and people falling in love and feeling all the good stuff. Yeah, this is, it's, yeah, it's funny to ask me about it, like in the moment right now, because this poem I think has been a big, this has been a big one for me for a long time, but also there's a lot of good Bob energy right now. So hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Things are, things are definitely on the up. Yeah. All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I think yeah. we can leave it there. I think yeah. I think it's, 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 it's springtime. Like we it's can... springtime, baby. Yeah. We're, we're, raving to, we're raving like butterflies to rosebuds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, give me another poem. <laughs> All right, I got a poem. Uh, this is Revaluation by MJ Santiago. The alligators have overtaken the IHOP and the Denny's and the Bob Evans, all those old places with their smells. And for one glorious day, all I can think is that I will never have to go back there again. But just like everything else, we adjust. When I visit my family, we sidestep claws, discuss the safest places to get to those mid-price meals that make us feel good. Where to hang out, talk shit, and make our bodies look less like those things so easy to roll under the water. And after all that, I still have to go to work. Casually forget to mention who I know is now inside a reptile gut, or how I learned to spot the movement along scaly pavement like it's just below the surface. Ride the bus home late into the evening and realize I have become something that kills before I eat too. Mm. Mm. Let's go. Yeah. 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 
Oh, goodness. Uh, why this poem, Chris Corlew? Man, okay, so, um, well, inside baseball for our listeners, Bob used to edit a journal called Vagabond City Literature and assigned me a book review, and it was MJ Santiago's chapbook Swallow from Bottle Cap Press, and it is a tight little, actually, let me see, 30-page, let me see, wait, 33-page chapbook that does something really special to me, and that is it establishes a lot of trying to understand what home means and trying to find your place in the world and also just like a love of, you know, (laughs) mid-price meals at places like Denny's or whatever. Um, And then in the middle of the book, like right at the midpoint, suddenly the alligators take over and like the book kind of shifts to like this really surrealist point where it's like all of a sudden stuff is weird. And so for me, I I lived in Florida for a little bit when I was um, a little kid, my grandparents lived there for a long time. So like, it's just a weird place. And like the whole book or the whole first half of the book is like all this sincere stuff and like really interesting stuff. And then bam, out of nowhere, alligators and it just <laughs> rules. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. Um, that's one of my, my favorite things when you sent this over. Um, so I remember the review and I've read some of MJ's work and I guess just like reading, reading this in relationship to Tate is really funny because I have this instinct initially of like, Oh, the alligators haven't really overtaken the IHOP or the Denny's. I'm, I'm picturing, you know, surrealism happening. And I, I do think there is kind of some element to that for sure. But yeah. I definitely also had a moment where it was like, wait, or are we just in Florida? Right. Um, right. right. <laughs> is it just, uh, it could possibly be that an alligator is in a Denny's. Just right. one. You know? <laughs> um, I have an important trivial question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this 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 tier, I, we won't even have to stay this tier, but um, of just thinking of chain diners, uh, IHOP, Denny's. We don't have Bob Evans really. Do we have Bob Evans out here? I've had Bob Evans frozen food, but I've never been to a Bob Evans. I don't think I've ever been to a Bob Evans. Yeah. Uh, what is your what is your personal preference in this? Uh... Um, I'm pro IHOP. Um, yeah, I'd go. I mean, Waffle House would be my first choice, uh-huh. but. Um, but in the in the restaurants mentioned, I'd go IHOP. I'm open um, to other options. Yeah. The ranking is also great, too. Yeah. Um, Waffle House is undisputedly the king of this kind of place. But uh, I'm pro IHOP because they will serve you a cheeseburger whenever you want. And my child, my three-year-old, is really into pancakes. So we can get him a whole mess of pancakes mm-hmm. and have a good time. So... Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Solid. What about you? Um, I mean, you're going to end the podcast and disown me when I tell you I've still never been to a Waffle House. Wow. <laughs> um, they haven't been readily available in any of the places where I've lived. <laughs> you know what? That's that's fair. That's fair. It was, um, you know. I, I still I was, have to go outside the city to find a Waffle House now. Like, right. there's definitely Waffle Houses around, but I got to, you know, trek for it right now. 
Yeah. Um, my parents never took me to a Waffle House, so I had to like wait until I was grown and visiting family in uh, North Car- or South Carolina mm-hmm. to uh, to go to a Waffle House. So I came to it late too, but fair enough. You got um, some catching up to do. Apparently, uh, well, I mean, this is in good company here because I we went to IHOP fairly regularly when I was a kid, and definitely like as a family. But I do have some equation of of like just me and my dad going. Um, I loved, I, I don't know, different kinds of yeah. syrup. Yeah. I love pancakes, but like that there were different ways to do it. I, I have no idea of the truth of this, but at some point I could have sworn like the servings got smaller there and that kind of made me, <laughs> I was like, this pancake is <laughs> giant. why are these pancakes small now? Um, the, uh, the different kinds of syrup thing is, 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 is huge. Good. Yeah. Incredible. yeah. It's huge. It's great. Um, in high school, my really cool friends who were not drinking or doing drugs. Right. <laughs> uh, legitimately, we were not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, no, I know. Would, yeah. would go to, uh, for the audience. No, we, was, we, we, yeah. we did the same thing where, like, one of my, like, coworkers one time uh, at my Taco Bell job was like, yo, IHOP's open 24 hours, man. You want to go, like, just, like, sit and drink coffee and talk? So and I was going to say, like, we did. Yeah, it was almost like going, like, what I as an adult treat as a bar. Right. Except we're just sitting there at IHOP drinking coffee and maybe having like, I don't know, eggs, you know, like that. So, sort so of we, thing. we did Denny's. So that was when I switched to Denny's and I still, Denny's has vastly not as good food in my opinion, but uh, we got into this like a, a, ba- a very classic high school, bad joke habit of uh, we'd, we'd order a full pie from Denny's and oh, man. sit there and drink coffee and finish the whole pie. <laughs> so you had nothing better to do. And and, and you had metabolisms because you were still in high school. <laughs> Correct. And speaking of metabolisms and mis- mis- mistakes on that front, as an adult, me and our friend Kevin, there was a... No, that's not what I'm thinking of. <sighs> Shoot. There's in Chicago on... Like Western and Division, maybe a little bit past Western. There's a chain diner, and I cannot remember its darn name right now. Oh, I think oh, I know what you're diner. talking about. What yeah, is, you've, oh, you've man. driven past it. Yeah, you've is it gold, it's not Golden Nugget, is it? Is it Golden it's Nugget? Nugget. It's Golden yeah, Nugget. It's absolutely Golden yeah. Nugget. Mm-hmm. We love Golden Nugget. Yeah, Golden Nugget's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so sorry for taking Let's us so far out of the poem. <laughs> Quite a diversion there. Um, the alligators are taking over, but you got to tell me what the move is. What's the move? So I, I think the move for me is like the alligators have taken, have overtaken all these chains, right? Right. And then skip ahead a couple stanzas and. When I visit my family, we sidestep claws and discuss the safest places to go get those mid-price meals that make us feel good. And it's like, so the alligators are a striking image to open the poem with, right. um, especially given the context of the book. And then even a couple stanzas later, they are still talking about trying to get those mid-priced meals and having time with family despite (laughs) sidestepping alligator claws and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something about it. That's like, (laughs) 
you know, we're in like a, a, a kind of surrealist world and stuff, but like there's something about like perseverance there and like mm. um, the, uh, the, you know, the comfort of food and family and that sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah the, the fact that the alligators have, the alligators have overtaken everywhere, but we're still trying to get our, Five ninety nine pancakes and sausage, you know. Like. You know, I I don't think I would have thought of it until you just said it. But there's something I think really important here, probably for all surrealism, but definitely right here is how, like you said, you open with this just great image: the alligators have overtaken the IHOP and the Denny's and the Bob Evans. Um, but it reverts pretty quickly back into like kind of the mundane. Yeah, how like okay, this wild thing has happened, but also we just have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And I really love the end of the first stanza. All I can think is I will never have to go back there again. And how much, yeah. I mean, just uh, again, dorking out over the most normal thing a poem does. But you know, like that line is very much about diners that have alligators in them, but also it's about so much of everything else, you know, yeah. I, I, we could, we could bring that to, you know, things about family, things about the physical location and where you're from. Like there's so many ways to run with that. Yeah. And there's that, that, that contradiction, those, um, those push pull feelings of, I never have to go back there again, mm. but also it's comforting to go back there again. Right. You know, that kind right. of thing. Um, Oof. Yeah. I do think also, cause I, I missed it on my first and second reading, but the, one, two, three, the fourth stanza. And after all that, um, I got I to gotta read this because holy smokes. And after all that, I still have to go to work. Again, back into that mundanity and, and calling attention to it. Mm-hmm. Casually forget to mention who I know who is now inside Reptile Cut. <laughs> incredible and funny and disturbing. Just a yeah, it's a great yeah. line because it's line. that is terrifying. Like yeah, right. I don't know if any. I don't know if our listeners have ever seen alligators before, but I would not want to be in the gut of one. You know? <laughs> yeah, and there's something just about like I don't know it, that reminds me of. I mean, it's like in, just in real life how you have to like return to a situation and work is a particularly like messy one. But like I don't know, return to a situation after like an event has happened. Yeah. And the awkwardness of that. But the awkwardness is that your coworker was eaten by an alligator right. or your friend or your loved one. Right. Um, it's like, this, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, well, you know, my uncle got eaten by an alligator, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there, this last three lines here in that stanza, or how I learned to spot the movement along scaly pavement, like it's just below the service. Ugh. The, the movement beneath the pavement, and then it's, you know, that idea of, like, describing, I'm second-guessing myself as I read it. When I first read it, it was, like, describing the body moving underneath the scales, like an eaten body. Oh, um, sure. I think it is describing the alligators beneath you and, like, being able to watch out for them as you're walking about, but love right. it. Full, fully, fully on board. The more yeah. I read this poem, the more I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, alligators are creatures that frequently just lurk below the surface you know you you can't see them and the to to learn how to spot it on the pavement is a new skill so uh, right yeah 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 for sure um well then i guess we gotta talk about how this is uh 
you know, making some moves beyond the page. Uh, what's going on beyond the page? Um, I suppose, <laughs> uh, I suppose I, I, I'm just like thinking about animals and nature a lot lately because mm. of Animal Crossing, and then also thinking <laughs> about um, <laughs> also thinking about the way to way to put a book together. And I just mm. I really like the way that MJ put this book together as like a you know uh, a really sincere thing that then just like hard pivots into surrealism while also still being sincere and just using like cool animal imagery so um, (laughs) just a sucker for cool animals over here i really am i'm i'm on a kick right now (laughs) (laughs) i'm a sucker for cool animals um we've got a zoo membership (laughs) (laughs) oh they're all they're all yeah. up in your in your uh, your mental uh, yeah. something or other. Yeah, and you know springtime, so you That's know true. Just, we're getting out in we're nature very, again. Very pro mm-hmm. springtime here. Ah, oh, the great nature of Chicago. Yeah, the great nature. <laughs> the uh, you know the 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 dogs shitting on the sidewalk, the oh. geese like in in the park. You know, like all the nature in Chicago. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, <laughs> you got a beautiful lake. Beautiful lake. Oh yeah, no, there there is great nature. There's a great lake and park front and all the things in Chicago. No, Chicago's <laughs> beautiful. All right, should we move on to uh basketball? Is it time to talk about some hoops? Let's do some hoops. Okay. I'm gonna it's it's gonna be pretty open ended. Uh oh. Favorite basketball image. Ooh. It can be a dunk. It can be a like a perfect play. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can be like a defensive stop, like a a, someone shooting form, something like that. Um, I've got a couple of suggestions, but um, uh, do you want me to go first, or you got you got an idea? I do. I was also going to say someone just posted this incredible Twitter thread of like greatest actual like pictures taken um, in NBA history that was so good. I'm not going to be able to find it again quickly enough. Um, but I was, you know, just geeking out for every picture, you know, and a lot of the ones you would expect, but they're still so good. Yeah. Um, tell me yours. Give me yours. Give me yours. Okay. So I've got, um, so one, and I, I, I don't want to step on your corner here, but it's the, um, that Clippers play where, um, who is it? Is it um, Lamar? Uh, it's, I should have looked these up before I started. <laughs> uh, that Clippers play where um, I think Lamar Odom catches an outlet pass mm-hmm. and then throws a uh, like pass from half court to Darius Miles who like catches it at the free throw line does like a 360 layup am I getting that play right? I think what you're thinking Odom and Miles are both involved and yeah. I'm trying to remember who does what? And there might have been one more person because someone throws a bomb down the court. Someone is around the free throw line, like catches it midair and then kind of tosses it over his shoulder to someone else who alley-oops, like to finish the alley-oop. It's the most incredible thing. They're also getting crushed by the Kings in this clip, I believe. <laughs> so it's, an, it's an absurd play. It is, um, it is Lamar Odom passing to Darius Miles. Yeah. That's what it. That's what it is. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it's just it's just so sick. Um, <laughs> my second one is um, what Zach Lowe calls uh, the the Spurs gasm, where like I'm pretty sure it's like Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Boris Diaw, Tim Duncan, and uh, Kawhi Leonard all on the floor, and they just they set a high screen, they run the high screen, they hit the high roll, they throw to the corner, they pass back out to the top, and then they hit, I think, Tim Duncan on the free throw line, and then he passes it to what looks like nobody but turns out to be a cutting Manu who is, like, farther away than he should be who catches it for, like, a layup. And it's just it's just incredible. Um, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful play. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's those, those images, um, where it looks like the game is breaking and Mm. like people are seeing through the matrix that like stick out of my mind where I'm just like, I don't know how any of you saw that. I don't know how any of you (laughs) saw what was going on or how to do that, but it just looks cool. So those are mine. Those are my two. <laughs> um, those are both very good ones. I have not heard the, the Spurs gasm um, <laughs> before. That's good. I will send it um, to you. It's, it's so good. I, I, did, I did find this Twitter thread of like actual, picture, actual pictures. Thread of the most memorable pictures in the NBA history. Um, I, and you know, it obviously starts with Jordan's last shot. Um, and there's a ton of good stuff in here, but also while you were talking and you were kind of thinking a little bit more along the line of moving images, um, you reminded me uh, that there's a there's an Instagram account called Michael Jordan Jumps, and okay. it's not even like about him like finishing the dunks. It's just how cool he looks when he jumps in the air and like some of it is, some of it is jumpers, some of it is layups, some of it is like making a pass. Like when you don't quite focus on like the actual classic highlights that you know by heart and you just like watch him jumping, it's just like, what? Yeah. It's so incredible. Just had such flair and style. Yeah. Like, you know, kicking his legs out and stuff and like, especially in like in his, in his, earlier years the like spinning layups the over the head mm-hmm. shots like all that stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah he had, he had just so much so much style just style uh, yeah absolutely yeah um let me throw out another clipper one so we can do some of the clipper nostalgia that i need to do every time apparently <laughs> um in, in Unfortunately, one of the greatest series ever, but uh, was a first-round series because of absurd seating rules. Uh, the Clippers and the Spurs were matched up four-five one year, and the game went. The series went to seven, and the Clippers win, get themselves beat up in the series. I think but, that uh, I remember that. That was because like of like somebody else won a division or something. Yeah, like someone that, else right? was yeah. a division mm-hmm. winner, so they had yeah. a lower record, but they got the third seed. Yeah, messed up everything. But uh, Chris Paul hits this like little floater layup thing to win the game, and it's not him making the shot or shooting it that is the image for me. It's that he puts it up, and Blake Griffin comes flying, just absolutely soaring, ready to get the putback rebound. But like the shot goes in, and so he like kind of 
has to like adjust himself midair to not touch the rim takes a terribly hard fall and it was for me just this incredible moment of like oh my god i'm so excited oh my god i'm so worried this guy is like hurt somehow (laughs) yeah yeah sure all of the basketball emotions coming together at once which as i say it as a bulls fan who's optimistic in 2011 when derrick rose is healthy (laughs) i understand that feeling very well (laughs) yeah um as i say it not not to be a you know a complete lebron stan um, it's hard to think about that that moment too of of you know his the chase down block also in game 7 when the warriors yeah. blew a 3 one lead got to got to got to bring it up every time yeah. um the block is so good but the block also is the, so good a couple plays later where lebron had full steam to dunk to absolutely seal the game yeah and he gets fouled by Draymond and it would have been like the most incredible dunk ever. Right. And, and in the moment, I just a million percent thought LeBron was, was definitely hurt. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so both of those are these half images, half just me being worried about uh, mortality. Right. Sure. <laughs> sure. sure. Um, so <laughs> worrying about maybe, mortality. The reason we watch basketball. Absolutely. <laughs> We've talked about that before. Um, maybe maybe those uh, work for an answer, but also they could just, you know, me be talking about uh, talking about my feelings <laughs> as we do. As we, we talk, do. When we talk basketball and poetry. That's what, we're, that's what we're here for. Poetry, basketball, and most importantly, feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I think that's an episode. That sounds good. We were efficient. Making things happen. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Yeah, It's late. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we just, you know, we got in the rhythm. Making Um, moves. Making moves. (laughs) Make. Like a good poem, we were efficient. Oh. All right. Our music producer is Brendan Johnson. Our art is done by A.M. Strickland. And we will talk next week. <laughs>